Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan. Joining me once again is Mandy. Hey! So, Descent. Journeys in the Dark. Mm -hmm. Did you play first edition or second edition? We played second, or we're currently playing second edition. Um, We've been playing, uh, in February, it'll be three years that we've been playing a weekly Descent campaign that's encompassed three large campaigns, and now we're on a mini. Wow. Yeah. Um, So how many sessions would you estimate that is for for, for one of the large campaigns? um, I would say about maybe nine months. I mean, it definitely doesn't take that long. So there's about, let's say, 12 games per... 12 sessions. Yeah, 12 sessions per... 12 dungeon crawls. Um, but we usually divide them in half because there's usually like a midway point for each where like the gameplay shifts and there's a new objective. So we usually uh, spend about three hours a week playing Descent. Three hours a week. Multiply that by four weeks in a month. That's 12. Multiply that by nine months. So that's 12 times 9, that is 90 and 18. That's 108 hours. Yeah, it's, uh, and we, we love every minute of it. Fantastic. That's um, time well spent. Yeah, we even had a, a coworker of mine um, who's in my campaign. He, we went to Gen Con a couple years ago, and we had a chance to meet Kevin Wilson, who created oh, the first edition. And Kevin's I, a great guy. He's so lovely. And I uh, we had a nice conversation about movies, because the last thing a game designer wants to talk about during a con is board games at the end of the day. So that was, a, I think, a welcome change of conversation. But I geeked out really hard because this is the person that is was essentially responsible for what I did every Thursday night for, at that point, a year and a half. That's fantastic. Which is pretty rad. So, okay. I played the first edition of Descent, and I found that it kind of tended to bog down in detail a lot. The turns took a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the Overlord had this weird sort of thing where, like, uh, ostensibly they were trying to win to win the game but mm-hmm. they sort of would sometimes have to hold back on purpose to make to keep the game interesting yeah we, we find sometimes well I suspect I strongly suspect that our overlord occasionally will hold back just a little bit um, just to keep the game interesting because there's nothing more frustrating than playing with someone who is playing overlord who just wants to win right outright um, a couple friends of mine were in an imperial salt campaign and they were telling me imperial story. Assault? imperial salt is uh, essentially the star wars version of descent okay it is super rad mechanics are fairly similar a couple of improvements actually on some of the descent mechanics and instead um, of dragons and orcs and stuff you're it's fighting stormtroopers and han solo and darth vader and all kinds of rad things this sounds delightful it's great um but essentially they uh, the overlord type character who has <laughs> a different name that i can't recall uh essentially kind of figured out how to win and was pretty much killing people every turn or knocking them out uh, to the point where the game was no longer fun so like there's always that strong like necessity to keep the game balanced enough that you're both playing as hard as you can but to a point where everyone's having a good time do the heroes also hold back when they're steamrolling the bad guys? Oh heck no! It's just uh, <laughs> it's just a little bit easier sometimes. Oh, that sounds fair. The Overlord to uh, just squash us, but uh, we we did have our revenge last campaign where near the end of their campaign, our characters got super strong, and then Ben didn't. Our Overlord Ben did not hold back at all in the slightest. <laughs> um, so it's it's about navigating that experience because while it is a competitive game. There's a large amount of narrative and story that goes into it, so you need to take that into consideration. And the question of uh, how to balance those things of, okay, I realize that the thing for me to do if I want to win is to do this, but my character probably wouldn't do that. 
Yeah. Do you, um, you ever face that sort of a dilemma? Yes. I developed a strong attachment to a character named Grisbin the Thirsty. Okay. That I had developed this insane backstory for where he... Was this in Descent or in Imperial Assault? In Descent. Okay. So we're in fantasy D&D land. Yeah. He's a dwarf uh, who is wearing like a tankard on his his belt. So he, he literally... Um, his uh, flavor text for using his uh, ultimate ability, which you can use once per session, is uh, killing his thirsty work. Drink with me. <laughs> um, so I developed a backstory where... Um, he his wife died, and that's why he took to drinking. And now he's trying to reclaim his honor by going on this quest and honoring her memory. And um, at the end of the campaign, he actually died for realsies, which never happens in the game. It was just one condition of that session, and he fell down a cavern and he died. But with his character specifically, there was many times I'm like, what would Grisbin do? Wow. He would charge in and he would just start flailing his axe. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do right now. So there's definitely like that, those elements where you can kind of... Was it sort of a redemption arc? Or did, did it, was it a tragic sort of end? It was a redemption arc. In the end, oh. I like to imagine there were songs made in his name. Drinking songs, obviously. And he actually made an appearance <laughs> in our next campaign because my character then had a... Um, like a phantom type uh, companion that you could use to draw and suck out energy and more hit points. Uh, so we painted Grisbin's um, miniature to be ghost-like, and it was Grisbin's ghost. So as you can see, uh, to send- only in a campaign game, <laughs> only can you, in you do, do that. that. Yes, <laughs> that is uh, that is the appeal right there. So. Okay, I'm sort of getting the appeal of how this is of why this is fun and why because you guys don't have to really worry ahead of time about whether or not it, the session's going to be ready. You've got because mm-hmm. it's all prepared. It's, it's all prepared. There for yeah, you. it's all done ahead of time. And again, given that you guys are all ostensibly grownups, um, that really takes care of one of the biggest barriers to it right there. Would you? Do you think that this would have worked better if there weren't like an overlord type person? If the game itself would just sort of fight you and you have to have, try to win or lose on your own? Yes, I feel like Descent's probably easily translatable to that. There are apps that exist where the the Overlord is played by the app, and you guys can all play together against like the system. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it, what I do like is is us like ganging up against that one person. Um, you have to have the right temperament to be the Overlord, but he takes <laughs> it really well and in stride. Fair enough. As uh, like as a game master, I love to sort of um, bring in plot elements that wouldn't be expected that that the players sort of brought. Like for example, if I would actually, with with your thirsty dwarf, I would actually talk about memories of this one time when your wife did this or said this right. as, as a kind of a brief sort of flashback moment uh, at a key point in the story. Being able to do that is one of the great advantages of having a human behind the screen. Again, that brings out that issue of, are we, is it going to be balanced? Is the overlord going to have fun too? Well, I don't know if this is an intentional thing, but the the narrative in Descent is not entirely well written. Okay. So it does allow you to fill that in yourself. Um, I so guess the sillier it is, the more latitude you have. Yeah. Just because whatever, it's just, this is this is this is garbage, tropey stuff anyway. So. Yeah, it's it's pretty like. Uh, though I um, will correct myself. In the newer mini campaigns, the writing is is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it didn't give you much to work with, it wasn't like as beautifully written as Mice and Mystic. Mm. you got to add a lot more of that same stuff and I remember like like you're saying memories of his wife I would sometimes ramble on about um, <sighs> how his brothers all, all treated him badly and no one loved him until he met his wife and just you know that kind of nonsense and because there's not a lot to guide you in the story it's it's really the in- intermediary step between Mice and Mystics and D&D so you're 
you're gaining some of the confidence of adding your own narration with a structure still in place. That was one of the things I really enjoyed about Mice and Mystics, the fact that it had that storybook that went with it. And it was written very much mm-hmm. in the style of a children's story, of a Victorian sort of fairy I tale. I told it to my nieces once when I was <laughs> on the spot told to tell them a story. I told them the intro chapter to Mice and Mystics. And then they're like, tell me the rest. And I was like, we haven't gotten that far. <laughs> That's a terrible cliffhanger. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's this wonderful lyrical tale of a of, of of a prince and their friends, and they all get turned into mice by an evil sorceress who has uh, who has injured the king, and now as mice they have to fight rats and roaches and occasionally a very dangerous millipede or the cat. The cat. Oh my god! What's the, the cat's cat name? Brody. Oh Brody. Brody was the most terrifying thing in the world. And just like shown because you can't get a miniature that big, but it was just like a pop print that would just like slam and it would show up all over the place like like brody just stomps this area and uh it was terrifying if you managed to find like a little fish hook you could use it as a grappling hook to get up to the kit to the top of the kitchen table it was it was a wonderful piece of work and it provided you with everything you needed to sort of get immersed in that world from the get-go there were more stories like you made nez your own uh, oh, I wasn't Nez, I was Filch. Oh, that's right, Filch, Filch yeah. the thief. Yeah. I was Nez, the big guy with the, oh, I've been talking about my burly mouse voice. Oh, yeah, because we all had to do the, the voices when we read the, the chapter course. at the beginning, naturally. <laughs> yeah, we'd pass the book around, and whenever we got to a particular character's dialect, or the dialogue, that that person would... <sighs> Mems. <That's> so good. <laughs> Yeah, the, the fact that it provided so much at the beginning sort of meant that we didn't really need to add all that much extra. Mm-hmm. We did anyway. Oh, yeah. But it was a very structured, very linear sort of thing where we knew what would happen next. And if you lose one particular chapter, you just redo that. Mm-hmm. In a descent campaign, though, if I understand correctly, if the heroes get beat in one particular chapter, the story goes on. And it turns, yeah. the villain just won that round. Yeah, he just won that round. Uh, and it does affect later on which... Um, because there are different, let's say there's 12 sessions, mm-hmm. but there may be 16 to 18 options. Mm. So depending on how the story goes, whether you're winning a bunch, uh, sometimes it's a, a way for the story to rebalance itself. Because if if you're not getting enough experience points to buy certain uh, abilities of yours, then very quickly the games become, become unbalanced. So sometimes you'll, you'll lose things and it'll give you an easier one and then you'll get some experience points. So it, it's definitely a little bit more. There is that danger of snowballing when you've got a, a, a human being on the other side. If they're just better at the game than you, then they continue to get better and better because the right. game rewards them for yes. playing well, and the game punishes you for playing poorly. And there you are, halfway through the campaign, unable to do right. anything. Whereas in Mice and Mystics, it was pretty much a straight up reset at the start of each chapter right. of the story, uh, where you get to keep like a couple of things. From the previous oh, like one. items and, and stuff like uh, that. You get to keep one item and one of your special, like up to three of your special abilities, like Battle Squeak, which oh, was right. awesome. It's been too long. <laughs> so um, that, that's that's always a problem you have to worry about in these campaign-based games is that it's one of the that that appeal of being able to continue with the same people over and over again. Part of that is you get the, the, the stuff that you achieved and collected and accomplished and got good at. You're still good at that. Yeah. When you keep going. Which is great if you're doing well and not so great if it turns out you weren't doing so well. 
But uh, it sounds like in, in in Descent, the way that they would do it is that the the, the story would sort of branch. If the villain keeps winning, mm-hmm. they start giving the heroes easier quests. Yeah, a and little bit. If the bit, villains yeah. are just steamrolling, they start giving them harder quests where the villain can actually hit them back pretty or hard. Or sometimes, like we we have a choice of which one we want to pick. Mm. Um, so if we're doing really badly, we're going to pick the one that seems a little bit easier anyway. So sometimes, like the story will tell you which one you have to do, and sometimes as the heroes, you get to pick which quest you go on. Wow, that was a lot of talking about a Descent, and we didn't even get to the bit about Imperial with the characters and stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we still have Friday. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that then, and I think we might get into some other games too. We'll see. See you then, folks. Bye. Bye.